the story that John has already read to us this morning is the story, amongst others, of the women. Those women who were so close by to Jesus on the Friday. Those women who stayed near to him through his suffering, through his trials, through his crucifixion. Those women who stayed near as his body was taken down from the cross, as it was wrapped in linen cloth, as it was laid in the tomb. Easter Sunday's story, Luke chapter 24, where we find ourselves this morning, is the story of a people who more than anyone else, I suppose, could say they knew Jesus was dead. And it's the story of a group of women who couldn't do on the Friday that which they wished to do. The Sabbath was approaching, it was a time for rest, and so they couldn't prepare Jesus's body for burial as was their custom. So they'd waited. And at the first opportunity that was presented to them, they came. They came with the spices. They came with the things to help them enact the rituals that they thought would help them to, to pay their proper respects to the rabbi that they loved. What I hadn't really considered until this week was that um, this was all taking place during the festival of unleavened bread and these women were so devoted to Jesus so desperate to to say goodbye properly to him that they didn't care that they were defiling themselves making themselves unclean by approaching a dead body and ruining the rest of the festival they wanted to be there for Jesus they wanted to be near him even in his death no wonder Luke records that when they arrived at Jesus' tomb and found the stone rolled away, when they found the tomb empty and just his linen cloths lying there, that they were confused, that they were perplexed. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in, but they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And they were perplexed about this. They've more right to be baffled by that scene than almost anybody else in human history because they were so certain of Jesus' death. They'd watched, they'd heard, they'd seen it all. And now before them, he was gone. The situation gets weirder. From our perspective, we would say it gets even more perplexing because what they find in that place isn't just emptiness, but all of a sudden two glowing men. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them, dazzling. The women were perplexed, but now terrified and bowed down to the ground. Later, they identify these two men as angels, as messengers of God, by the way. But they themselves bring a sort of level of perplexity, a level of confusion, because when they arrive and they witness the women searching for the dead body of Jesus, they can't quite believe it. They can't quite get their heads around the situation either. Not because they're amazed that Jesus is raised from the dead, but because they can't understand how these followers of Jesus would expect him still to be dead. Didn't you listen? Didn't you remember the things that he said? 
Didn't you understand when he said it? Didn't you believe this teacher of yours? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the men. He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, It is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified and rise on the third day. They can't quite believe what they find in the perplexity, the confusion, the the wonder, the amazement of these women. Because Jesus had not been shy about the events of Good Friday and Easter Sunday. He hadn't been shy when he spoke about his death, nor had he been shy when it came to speaking about what came after. If you make your way through the Gospel of Luke or the other accounts of Jesus' life, you'll, you'll find him once, twice, three times, four times. You'll lose count of the number of times that Jesus spoke openly and frankly about his death and his rising again to new life. So the angels themselves, these glowing men, they're confused by what they find. And then a little bit later, when these women take the report back to the other disciples, to the eleven and the greater, the wider community, we read that they all found it nonsensical. They all found it confusing. They're filled with doubt, perplexing. They basically think it's nonsense. Verse 11, these words seemed like nonsense to them, and they didn't believe the women. But verse 12, Peter got up. He ran to the tomb. He stopped and he looked in and he saw only the linen cloths. And he went away amazed at what had happened. I love in this portion of Luke 24, that those who come perplexed, those who come and are astonished in in an almost unhelpful sort of way, those who come and they're confused, are given clarity. Have you ever felt that sort of sense, that feeling of just not knowing what is going on, and someone draws alongside you and just explains it all? The lights come on and all of a sudden you understand. For the women, this was a great apocalypse. It was a great revealing, an unveiling of what was already true. God graciously sending these messengers there to meet them and to help them to see through the darkness that had engulfed them. God switches on the lights. If you were reading the accounts of Jesus' death and burial and resurrection in John's Gospel, he makes a big deal of this. He speaks about how it is dark when the women first set out. And it is nearly time for the sun to rise when they arrive at the empty tomb. But by the end of the encounter, it is full-blown daylight. They see, they understand. I love the fact that they're is shown to us, revealed to us here, time and space to grapple with and to explore. More than that, that God is one who wants to help us to see and to understand, that he wants us to have our eyes opened and our minds opened, that he is the one who opens our minds and our eyes. 
And I love the fact that in this story of a people who come perplexed and are given clarity, that that clarity affects them. That clarity changes them. I wonder why they came so early. Perhaps it was genuinely so that at the very first opportunity that they had, they did. As soon as the sun rose and Sabbath was over, they were going to do what they thought was right. Or perhaps they came early because they were filled with fear. We wouldn't judge them at all if that was the case. That they came early before anyone else might be stirring, before anyone else might be about their, their daily business, before they might be identified as people going to visit Jesus and his tomb. They come out of fear, perhaps, but surely, surely these women leave filled with peace. They would have gone with tears in their eyes, expecting to, to weep as they found their beloved teacher and master. Surely they leave with rejoicing. For three days, give or take, they'd been able to wrestle with and comes to terms with the fact that for them life was never going to be the same again. Surely they leave with this full hope that life will never be the same again. Why would we expect any different for us? Why would we expect not to come to the empty tomb this morning or at any morning and not to be bamboozled. We are, I think, still each and every time we come and we encounter Jesus, who he is and what he has done, we are utterly flabbergasted if we admit it. Each and every time the creator of all things, the eternal one, the one loved from before the foundation of the world, that he came and he died. Don't tell me that you easily get your head around that. That he who was buried and remained dead for days is now alive again. Don't tell me that you get your head around that. Why would we expect any different? And yet we cannot, can we, brothers and sisters, those of us who have come to see the truth, who have been given clarity, we cannot deny what we have seen, what we have heard, what we have lived and experienced of the risen Lord Jesus. Why would we expect any different than to come to the empty tomb with our questions, with our struggles, with our confusion, why would we expect to come and not to hear from God? Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee. We should expect to come when we have this confusion and for God to help us walk into the light of understanding. I think we should expect as well to be able to come and to bring all of our fears, all of our sorrows, all of our heartbreaking resignation about life and bury them here in this empty tomb. That's what the women do. 
they have all this baggage, they have all these feelings, they have all these emotions, and they find somewhere to just get rid of them, to cast them and to never have to pick them up again. Our greatest fears, they're gone. Jesus took those fears that we have, those enemies that we have, those things which weigh us down and hang over us. He took them into the grave. He buried them there and he has emerged, bringing to us this gift of peace. Our greatest sorrows, surely they have gone with Jesus down into the grave and left there as he comes back and gives us this gift of joy. Our deepest sighs, disappointments, and what life has been and what life offers itself to be so often in this world. Gone with Jesus into the grave, never to emerge again. And instead in its place, this gift of hope that life need never be the same again. <sighs> Don't just take my word for it though. If you've joined us this morning and this is all sort of new to you, not new to you in the sense you've never heard it, if it is new to you in the sense that you've never heard it, well then welcome along, truly, tremendously. How exciting it must be for you to read the story of this man Jesus crucified alive again. But if it's new to you in the sense You've never had that clarity. You've never had that certainty. You've never had that peace and that joy and that hope that comes from knowing that Jesus truly is alive. Well, then let me invite you to read. Let me invite you to ask. Let me invite you to discover for yourself. Sometimes we can have this picture, this idea that the disciples or Christians now today are just people who are predisposed to, to believe. That they're people who want it to be true more than anything else. But that's not the picture of the people that we meet in this chapter. Of the very first people to uncover the truth of Jesus alive and well again. These are a people who didn't want to believe. These are a people who, who didn't have enough information to believe. These are people who literally described what they heard as nonsense. They needed convincing. I needed convincing. The women um, didn't take that assumption that they had, that Jesus had been removed from the, uh, the cross, a dead man, and buried, and that was it. They didn't let that be the final word, but they went. They drew near to Jesus, and they heard God speak. Peter didn't take this nonsense story that he heard from the women as the final word, but he ran to discover himself. If this is new to you today, then the invitation is here. It is open. It is loud. It is clear. Come and find out for yourself. Read. Ask. Discover. We want to help you. God wants to help you to see and to know and to believe. But maybe this isn't new to you. Actually, my guess is for the vast majority of people listening this morning that, that this, is, this is old hat. You've known, you've celebrated, you've trusted, you've unpicked, you've understood all the wonderful things that come out, fall out of the fact that Jesus who died is now alive again. Well, then let me encourage you with just this one simple thought this morning. At the door of this empty tomb, 
God is a God who keeps his promises. God is a God who sticks to his word. You see, you and I are people who are prone to forget. You and I are a people who are slow to recognise the fulfilment of the things that God has said. And yet, let me assure you, and let the empty tomb assure you, that God is a God who keeps his promises. And that is tremendous news for us because Jesus has promised us so much. The highlights off the top of my head as I was writing this, what about that promise that we've heard repeated throughout 2022? I will be with you always. The same God who said, I'm going to die and I will raise to life again, as unimaginable, as impossible as that might seem, he kept that word. How much more should we trust him when he says he will always be with us. How about this as a promise? When we come to him, he will give us rest. That's what Jesus offered. He says, those who come to me, though they may be full of weariness, though they may be weighed down by various burdens that have been given to them, or that they have taken on themselves, when they come to me, they will find sweet rest. That is a promise and God keeps his word. Jesus said, when you come to me, you will find life and life to the fullest. Why is it so often, brothers and sisters, that we act, we, we mope around the place as Christians as if we're missing out on life when we follow Jesus? He's not a liar. When we come to him, truly, that is when we have life in all of its abundance. Fullest life, eternal life that starts right now. Not some ethereal, uh, celestial, theological, sort of church servicey in the spirit existence for a later date, but real flesh and blood, life as God intended it, as Christ was raised to live it. He's promised us that. When we follow Christ, we are not missing out. We are just beginning to taste and experience what life is truly like. Jesus promised that all that the Father gives to him, he will never drive away. Sometimes we can feel like we have lived in such a way that we've asked questions, had doubts, come with confusion in such a way that we would make ourselves so unappealing to Jesus that he's just, ugh, and pushes us away. No more from you. I welcomed you in as this sorry state, this, this um, lowly uh, person to begin with, but look how you've behaved in my house. Get away from me. Jesus promised that all the Father gives to him, he will never, ever drive away. If you are his, you will remain his in his soft, caring, strong capable hands. Jesus said, those who keep my commands 
love me. And I will love them and I will show myself to them. Do you want to know Jesus more? That's one of the things we say so often in this church, that we want to be a people who know Jesus more and make Jesus more known. Jesus has promised that when we remain in him, when we walk close beside him, when we follow his pattern and his preaching, when we love him, he, out of love for us, will reveal himself to us. Here's a promise, perhaps, that you don't want Jesus to keep. Jesus promised us that we would have difficulties, that we would have struggles, trials, that persecution will come. And he said, in the midst of those, do not worry, because he will be with us throughout. That his spirit would be with us throughout. Brothers and sisters, as we stand this morning at that open door to an empty tomb and we see that God is a God who keeps his promises, be encouraged because Christ has promised us so much. If this is new to you, then as I've said already, the invitation is there to investigate. We would love to help you to find the truth. God would love to help you to find the truth. I'm going to pray in a moment that the Spirit will be at work in you, helping you to see and to know the truth, because the truth is wonderful. The truth is invigorating. The truth will, in the words of Jesus, set you free. Thank God that Jesus is one whose words we can trust, Lord God. We admit that each and every one of us comes with our own version of confusion this morning. Like the women, like the apostles, like even the angels who can't wrap their heads around how these followers didn't see and understand and to believe. But that you are a God who brings clarity. Lord, speak into our lives even today. Point us to Christ. Help us to see and to understand in greater depth and with, with um, more certain faith. Lord, we want to know truly Jesus. We want to know the power of his resurrection. We want to feel and live and experience that peace and that joy and that hope that comes from knowing that all of that rubbish has been taken away and tossed into the grave and instead out of it comes this new and glorious and wonderful life. Lord, I thank you for that revelation to us this morning, that revealing that you are a God who keeps his word. Lord, we cherish the words of Jesus. We cherish the promises of scripture. Though we are prone to forget, though we are slow to see and to recognise their fulfilment, Lord, give us that certainty, that courageous certainty that it is needed to live our lives as if you are a God who keeps his word, because you are. Lord, we know that the fruit will be rejoicing. We know the fruit will be peace. We know that the fruit will be a settled, strong and lasting hope. We desire to feast on it this morning. 
In the name of the risen Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.